Okay, you all, listen. The title of the sermon is Following Jesus. That's a huge, huge subject and a huge challenge, okay? We have, it's only five verses that we're gonna read, but you know immediately just from hearing the title, Following, Following Jesus, we have a couple of huge obstacles in front of us this morning. One is that this passage is so uh, deep and, and so difficult to understand at times that um, spending half an hour on it is not near enough, okay? We know that from the beginning. You've, this is a famous passage. You've, you've studied it before. We could study it till the end of our lives and not reach the end of all that it means, okay? So it's huge. All we're going to be able to do this morning is just hit the high points. And we're going to, the outline is very simple. We're going to try to just understand the passage from a very high level, okay? It's a huge challenge to wrap our minds around this huge topic of following Jesus. The second big challenge is that you've got a deficient preacher. I do very poorly at this. You don't have someone speaking to you as an expert on the subject. You have someone speaking to you who is a fellow student, trying to learn better what this means and trying to be more obedient to what we're told here, okay? So that's another huge problem, is that I, I can't speak to you from a, position, from a high position telling you this is how you do it and follow my example because I'm doing it perfectly, all right? So with those two understandings, that this, it, this, the passage itself is a huge challenge and that you've got a deficient preacher, which you already knew, that's how we're entering into this conversation this morning. Hopefully that we can make a little more progress in understanding and, Lord willing, applying what we have here, okay? Five verses, Luke 9, 23 to 27. Um, Let's read the text first, and then we'll ask for the Lord's help, and then we'll get into it, okay? Let's stand in honor of God and his word. Jesus speaking, Luke 9, 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Lord, we do ask for your help. And we ask because we love you. And uh, it really is the desire of our heart, Father, to follow your son. Help us understand a little bit better today what that means. Give us a greater measure of resolve than we've had before. I pray you'd open our eyes not because of guilt, but because of beauty. Not because of shame, but because of the opportunity that you set before us to follow your son. And we ask in his wonderful name, amen. All right, please be seated. I said a few minutes ago, we're just hitting the high points. We're gonna pull out three things that are uh, true of following Jesus, okay? Very high level, that's what we're doing. What does this passage teach us 
that's true about what it means to follow Jesus? What's true about following him? The first thing we learn is that it's difficult. Following Jesus is difficult. It's hard. How do we know? Well, the first thing that he tells us about following him, this is verse 23, is that we must deny ourselves and take up our cross. And that's a very difficult exchange for us to make. Both, of the, both parts of that exchange, denying ourselves and taking up the cross, both parts of that exchange are difficult. Both of those things are completely contrary to our nature. And when we're doing those things, it feels bad. Sometimes feels excruciating to our soul. And let's see if we can make it a little more concrete, okay? Let's spend a moment talking about each of those ideas in turn. So what you see in verse 23, the requirement for discipleship, to deny self and take up your cross. Those are the two things we're talking about. What does it mean to deny self and what does it mean to take up your cross? We're going to talk about each of those in turn right now, okay? First of all, denying yourself. That's the first thing he says. What does that mean? You know, if we, if we were just trying to figure out what that means in a vacuum, that would be really hard. Like, what does it mean to deny yourself? And we could all give opinions on what we think that means. Let's look at the text. Let's listen because he keeps talking and we find out as we keep reading what he's talking about, okay? In verse 24, we're reminded that we're very interested in self-preservation, This is what we read. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Why would we need to hear that warning unless we were really interested and constantly seeking to preserve our lives? We wouldn't need that warning from Jesus about the temptation to save our lives unless that was always our MO, to stay out of trouble, to stay out of danger, to keep a low profile, prioritizing safety over testimony, safety over sacrifice, safety over self-giving. Obviously, that's not part of the Christ life. That's not the life that Jesus lived. Jesus was not reckless, but neither did he prioritize safety. He prioritized the will of the Father, And that did not include self-preservation. Thankfully, that did not include self-preservation. We're very interested in self-preservation, okay? Also, verse 25, so skip on down next verse, verse 25, we're reminded that we're very, very interested in self-enrichment. Okay, we're learning about ourselves. He's diagnosing our issue. We're interested in self-preservation. The very next thing that's brought up, verse 25, is self-enrichment. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits himself? Why would we need that warning unless we were always at all times seeking to enrich ourselves and gain the whole world, looking for ways to gain the whole world. We have to be warned off of self-enrichment because that's what we naturally want to do. In fact, I would say, to my own shame, that probably on most days, 
if, if I had to just say, what, what, is, what, are you, what is Matt after today on any given day of the week? The thing that probably best describes how I live my life is self-enrichment. The, the broadest category. You know, what's Matt doing today? Well, he's trying to enrich himself. How much encouragement can I get? How many accolades can I get? How much money can I get? How much pleasure can I get? How much of the kind of food that I like can I get? How much peace and quiet can I get? More for me, more power for me, more influence for me, more fairness and understanding and grace shown toward me. And I hope I'm not alone in this pitiful condition. I mean, I guess that would be actually a really good thing for the human race and for this church if I were alone in that condition. But I think there's a lot of evidence that we're all more or less given to self-enrichment. And we struggle all the time against the desires of our flesh to, to be in the place of God. In the end, that's really what we do want. We want to be in the place of God. We want to be worshiped and be treated with all honor and respect and call the shots and have the power. In the end, that's really what we want. That's why we need Jesus. We're very interested in self-preservation. We're very interested in self-enrichment. And according to verse 26, we're very interested in self-pride. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words... And then there's a warning. And why would we need to hear that warning about being ashamed of Jesus unless there is this tendency in us toward maintaining our self-pride and not being associated with anything that's uh, considered shameful? Nobody wants to be the weird one in the building or the weird one on the block or the narrow one in the group. We want to maintain a sense of dignity and a sense of pride, not be associated with lowliness and weakness. We want to maintain some pride. And so our main interests at this point have now been summarized very well by Jesus. What are we interested in this life? Well, a pretty good list of what we're interested in is self-preservation. Yep. Self-enrichment. Absolutely. Self-pride. Definitely. That's me. That's definitely me. Self, self, self. And now, now we have a better idea of what Jesus means when he says, let him deny himself. We're to stop pursuing this great idol of self, which manifests itself in self-preservation, self-enrichment, self-pride. How are you doing in those areas? How hard are you chasing those things? So instead of making that our main pursuit in life, having that be what's on our mind when we get up and our main goal for the day, Jesus sets something else before us to pursue. Stop pursuing this, pursue this instead. And that something else that we are to pursue is indicated by the words, take up your cross. 
contrary to, I guess, what I would call popular belief, when Jesus says, take up your cross, he doesn't mean take up your particular problem. There is that notion out in the general Christian world that my, my disability or my particular issue is the cross that I bear. It's really not what he's talking about here. When he says, take up your cross, he means identify with me, the man of the cross. When Jesus says, take up your cross, the idea is begin to identify with me. And we're going to talk in just a minute about the ways in which we can identify with Jesus. We're going to get really specific and really practical. But right here in the first point, we're just noticing the call in verse 23 to stop pursuing the great idol of self in order to pursue identification with Jesus. Those are two completely different things. It's a 180-degree difference. Everyone in the world is on the path of the idol of self, And Jesus is calling us to turn completely around and follow him down a completely different path. And it's hard. It's really hard because we love ourselves so much and we love Jesus so little. It's really, really hard. That's the first point. Following Jesus is difficult. It feels bad. It often feels like we're losing. As a matter of fact, it's impossible. Following Jesus is impossible apart from the quickening power and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. The new life imparted by the Holy Spirit. Okay, first thing we notice is that following Jesus is difficult because it requires a radical change. It's contrary to our nature, okay? Second thing we notice, again, we're just hitting the high points. Following Jesus is difficult. Secondly, following Jesus is daily. Do you see that word in your text? Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. So this, this course correction that we're talking about is not a one-time thing. It is a daily thing. Jesus isn't saying, identify, me in, identify with me in one great moment. He's saying, identify with me daily. Take up your cross daily. Daily. Think about the difference that one word makes. We're daily called to change what we're pursuing. We daily leave off pursuing self in order to identify with Christ. What could that look like for you on a daily basis? That's really what I, I want the substance of the message to be today. Because this, this can be a very ambiguous idea, following Jesus. What in the world does that mean? I want to try to take it from up here as a high-level idea that we have no idea what it means and bring it closer to the ground so we can really understand what does this mean for me on a daily basis, okay? Well, let's start here. If you're like me, you, you by default go through your day asking very self-centered questions like, like these. Um, am I getting what I deserve today? Am I being treated fairly? Am I being shown due appreciation? A- am I being uh, liked and valued and enriched 
am I winning here or am I losing? And that's, that's how we think about our day. Like, if it feels like we did more losing than winning, then we've had a bad day based on how we've been treated by others, the things that have been happening. That's just, that's part of being a human. That's how we view our day. Am I, am I being treated fairly, getting what I deserve, all those things, okay? What if, here's what I'm saying to you. What if we viewed our day through a different lens? What if we take seriously the call here to daily pursue identification with Christ? We come to this text, Christian, wanting to follow Jesus, desperately wanting to grow in this area, and you're thinking, okay, I have to leave off all things related to self-seeking in order to identify with Christ today. That's what taking up my cross means, identifying with Jesus. How do I do that? What does that mean on a daily basis? How do I identify with him? And what I want to suggest is that there's both a passive element and an active element to beginning to identify with Jesus, okay? Passively. Let's talk about the passive element. Ask yourself this question instead. Instead of all those silly self-seeking questions that I just identified that I asked, what if we enter the day asking this question instead? Ask yourself this. What will I experience today that Jesus also experienced? What if that's the question on your mind? What will I experience today that Jesus also experienced? Or... What am I experiencing in this moment that Jesus also experienced? Think of all the things you could experience in a day that would allow you to identify with Jesus Christ. Are you experiencing ingratitude? Lack of understanding from other people? Lack of respect? Lack of fairness. You do something good and receive evil in response. Are your resources constantly being drawn down by the people around you? Do you feel like you're the lifeblood for all these other people around you and it's your resources that are always being drawn down and you're depleted? Think about how Jesus lived that way. Are you in search of just a few quiet moments to be alone and rest or pray? Are you rejected, insulted, and laughed at? And are you on the receiving end of thoughtlessness? Is it always you making the sacrifice? Does anyone feel that way? Like, in your relationships, why does it seem like I'm always the one making the sacrifice here? and no one's sacrificing for me. All of these things Jesus experienced. And all of these things, when we experience them, there are all kinds of bad things that can happen to us when, when we're feeling this way. One is that we can develop this victim mentality, like a really unhealthy victim mentality. Woe is me. The whole world is against me. I'm always the one making the sacrifice. We can develop a victim mentality. We can get bitter. We can get angry. We can try to get revenge. We can become this hard, cruel person. Or we can say, today, today, I have had the opportunity to identify with Jesus Christ. Who thinks that way? 
How could we ever think that way? To look at all these negative things happening and saying, wow, I was able to identify with Jesus today. I understand a little bit better today what it meant for him to always be the one sacrificing and always having his resources drawn down and putting up with people he didn't want to have to put up with. We could say, I had the opportunity to be on the receiving end of the worst of humanity and respond with grace. And instead of being bitter, I can be thankful and remember that the highest prize is knowing Christ. And my great calling in life is to identify with him. And that is the great thing that's so easily forgotten, that our great calling in life is not to win or be successful or to accumulate things. It's to know and be spent for Jesus Christ. And you will have daily opportunities to put that into practice. So there's the passive element in identifying with him, okay? It's passive because it has to do with how we respond to what happens to us when we receive this from the outside world, from other people, we have the opportunity to identify with Jesus by our response. So we go into our day thinking, what will I experience today from the world that Jesus also experienced? All right? But there's another question we can ask. There's an active element to identifying with him. We can also ask the question, what can I do today that Jesus did? What will I experience that he experienced? Also, what can I do that he did? That's an active idea. We're proactively trying to identify with him through what we do, how we act upon the outside world. Okay, so here's the idea. We throw off the covers in the morning. We brush our teeth. We're getting dressed. We're getting ready for the day. We're remembering Luke 9, 23. Following Jesus is a daily thing. That's great news. We're asking the question, what will I experience today that Jesus experienced? What new excellency will I discover in him through shared experience? And we're also asking the question, what can I do today that Jesus did? And I have three suggestions for us, three practical things we can try and do every day not as a means of trying to earn God's favor, as a means of changing our routine to be more in line with how Jesus spent his time. Okay, what can can I do today that he spent his time doing? Well, first and obviously, we can pray. What can I do today that Jesus did? I can pray. Secondly, I can meet a need. It might be a physical need. It might be a spiritual need. I can I can pray, I can go into my day also saying, what, what need can I meet around me today? It might be a spiritual need, it might be a physical need. Pray, meet a need. Thirdly, start a conversation. You can pray, you can meet a need, you can start a conversation. Did you know that Jesus was a conversation starter? John 4, the woman at the well. Give me a drink. What a way to start a conversation. John 5, the the lame man laying by the pool of Bethesda. 
Do you want to be well? What a way to start a conversation. Okay, you might say, well, there's nothing overtly spiritual about starting a conversation with someone. What, why is that part of the, the description here? Starting a conversation, that could be anything. Yeah, it could be. But if you want to talk to someone about Jesus, if we want to talk to people about Jesus, we can't talk to them about Christ unless we're first talking to them. That's the first thing. Think about the dignity that you bestow on someone when you begin a conversation with another person. There are other things that we can mention. There's nothing magical about these things, and there's tons of others, but what we're doing is changing the lens through which we see our day and saying, okay, instead of self-preservation and self-enrichment and self-pride. I'm going into my day looking at different things, God-centered things and people-centered things, things like praying and meeting a need and starting a conversation. So simple. Following Jesus is very earthy. And it's not complicated. Let's not make it complicated. We think about what he experienced in his life and what he did. And we say, okay, I'm going to go down that same path. And as I go, I will know him better. Following Jesus um, is, first of all, difficult. It's second of all, whatever I said the second point was. Daily. Third, following Jesus is necessary. Not going to spend long on this point at all, but it's a very important point. Uh, It's not optional, it's necessary. This idea comes through in verse 26. This idea that if we hold back from following Jesus, that is, if you are ashamed to identify with him, he will be ashamed of you. He will not identify with you when he comes in glory. It's a scary idea, isn't it? We have this understanding that following him and identifying with him is necessary because there are eschatological and eternal consequences for not following him. I want to give one illustration I think will help us understand what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying. And then we'll be done, okay? This is the last thing to help us understand what, what Jesus is saying. Think about the example of Simon Peter. I read this week one of the most helpful comments. It's one of the most helpful comments I've read in a long time, period. But it's one of the most helpful comments, probably the most helpful thing I've ever read in regard to Peter's betrayal of Jesus or his denial of Jesus the night of Jesus' trial. You remember, he was in the courtyard and he's ashamed of Jesus and he disowns him three times. You know, I, I, don't, know, I don't know this man. Doesn't want to be associated with Jesus. Okay, think about that example. Now, ask this question. Is that what Jesus is talking about in Luke 9? Is Jesus saying that if you act like Peter on that night in the courtyard, like if, if you deny me in front of people, if you're ashamed of me that way, that he will be ashamed of us and like that's it that Jesus will disown Peter when he comes in glory and be ashamed 
to be associated with Peter. Peter appears to be ashamed of the Lord. Here's the comment I read. This is from Daryl Bach. He's one of the best, if not the best, living scholars on the Gospel of Luke. And this is what he said. He said, Peter's denial of Jesus was a failure of nerve, not a failure of heart. Isn't that good? It's so true. I think he's exactly right. Peter's failure was a failure of nerve, not a failure of heart. Failures of nerve are forgivable and are forgiven by Jesus Christ. You you may fail to associate with him at some point in your life because of the distress you're under, the pressure you're under, the, the fears that you're experiencing. Listen, that could happen. It happened to Peter. That's not what Jesus is talking about in Luke 9. It can't be. Because he hasn't disowned Peter. He's not ashamed of Peter. Jesus is talking about a failure of heart by which you say, I have decided not to identify with the shame of the cross in this life. Like, I'm following Jesus, but I'm going to do it in a prideful way. I'm going to do it in my way. I'm going to claim to be his follower, but I'm going to scorn the shame and I'm going to live for myself and try to enrich myself and preserve myself. If we think that we can be a proud and self-seeking and uncompassionate Christian and still claim Christ as teacher and king, we are wrong. And we will be shown to be wrong in the end because God will not be mocked. And Jesus has given us the warning right here. So if you say that you are a Christian, you need to understand that you do not get to define what that looks like. There's only one person who can. That's Jesus. And he has. And this is what it looks like. Luke 9, 23 to 27. So you need to understand that a choice to not participate in the shame now is a choice to not participate in the glory that is to come when Jesus appears in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Take to heart what Jesus says. Change the lens through which you view your day and your life. Um, I'm trying to do this. I'm going to try to put this into practice this week. Um, I'm leaving the country. Mike's going to come up and pray for me in just a minute. We're going to be on a plane going to Romania tonight. This is going to be on my mind, Lord willing, when I wake up tomorrow and whatever hour it is, what will I experience today that Christ also did? And what can I do today that Jesus did? And spend my time thinking on those things to maybe follow him a little bit more closely and love myself a little bit less, okay? And I'll be thinking of you and your opportunity to do that and your thought process as you get into the day, all right? Now, we didn't even get to verse 27. Verse 27 has a huge and mysterious element to it. Like, what on earth does that mean? There are lots of good options for interpreting that verse, and we'll tack that on when we take up um, the next passage. We will get to it, okay? For now, for today, let's pray. Jesus, forgive us of pursuing ourselves when it is you that we should have been pursuing all along. Forgive us, Jesus. We have, we have sought ourselves and not you. 
I pray that you would teach us to understand what Paul understood, that everything in this life is lost and to be counted as rubbish next to the surpassing value of knowing you, though it be extremely difficult. We love you and pray in your wonderful name. Amen.